over there? Is that Cronano? Yoo-hoo! What have you been up to, my silly boy? Well, just looking for a new angle, my dear. Ready to begin? Yahoo! Turn on the podcast and listen real close. We're the two fatos that you love the most. What's your angle? What's your angle? What's your angle podcast? If you love me, please tell me what. Your angle. Do you guys ever wonder what we do outside of outside of the room? Because we always come in. Maybe this episode will end it with us going right back to the void that we come from. Oh. I, I, I promise there's a lot of good stuff back there. There's a lot of cool stuff that you guys might never see. You know, we have uh, one of those chocolate, uh, Golden Corral chocolate waterfalls. And we put, you know, all different kinds of things in there. We put broiled chicken in it. You have, have you ever had a chicken and chocolate? It's a very common French technique, chicken and chocolate. Mm -hmm. We have foosball machine out there. We got a Nerf basketball hoop. We have a pile of money that we just are able to help ourselves to every day. So it's, you know, all thanks to you guys, we're able to fill our void with all sorts of nooks, crannies, knickknacks, and things that we enjoy. Do you ever wonder what we do besides record this podcast and drink whiskey? Do you? (laughs) I drink a mug of whiskey every morning. With ice. On ice. Did you see Gene Simmons from Kiss eats his cereal with ice cubes? Anyone? He tweeted and he goes, he put he goes, um, who else puts ice cubes in their cereal? <laughs> and everyone was like, no one <laughs> does that. <laughs> and there's a picture of him putting ice in like cereal with milk. I I always got Gene Simmons and uh, Robert Stern or Stern, the guy who does the Stern Howard show. Stern. Yeah, I, I always got them confused. Robert Stern. What's his name? Gene Stern? Gene Simmons. Howard no, the Stern. other one. Howard Stern. Or Robert Stern. I always got them confused because they both have the same curly hair. No. And they're both they, stars of David, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. I think that one's right. That's not definitely not a, a, they're a both appropriate disciple, way to call They're both Jewish disciples of, of David. You don't call Jewish people stars of David. <laughs> <laughs> that is... They're stars in his eyes. (laughs) Well, we'll let the rapture decide that. In that case, we would be uh, disciples of the genocide. Oh, compared to the last episode? When we were talking about different perspectives to killing people? Third, first. But no one ever mentions the second. Yeah, but by the time this airs, they won't have seen that last episode. Yeah, they will, because it's chronological. Facts. Unless I decide to switch it up on them. Mm-hmm. Unless they decide to change the, the game. This is actually the first podcast we recorded, and the other ones were all after. Yeah. We actually... Oh, no. We've, we've looked the same. We've looked the same since uh-huh, episode one. Uh-huh. Well, I mean... My he, hair he, Yeah, he got... Okay, he got a haircut. You know, I cared a little bit more about my style. And ever, you know, ever since we started episode one, my style has kind of deteriorated into, like, rags. But I still wear clothes. I'll tell you, this room gets cold. I woke up this morning in a fucking fetal position. I was freezing. Well, it's a good thing I get to, you know, warm up with a nice iced coffee every morning. Some people say, what, are you from New England? I said, and then they asked me, what, well, what kind of coffee is that? It's clam Arabica, flavor. right? I said, this is clam chowder flavored. This is white clam chowder, New England. So what he does is he wakes up in the morning and like a real New Englander, he gets a nice cup of joe, Dunkin' Donuts, and then he splashed a little whiskey inside a little Bailey's, mm-hmm. and then top it all off with a little clam chowder and a little oyster cracker mm, for just crunch. To get, just to get through the day. And he actually, what what he'll do is, instead of pouring the clam chowder in the in the coffee, because the temperature differs, what he'll actually do is he'll freeze chowder cubes and use the chowder cubes as ice, so that as the ice chowder melts, it flavors the coffee. It's kind of like a K-cup, kind of like a chowder K-cup, C- if you will. It's a C-cup, yeah. It's, uh, called, it's chowder cup. Chowder cup. And I have about five of those a day that gets me through the day, and I do that every day. If he's lucky, he gets a little piece of potato or chowder in the cube, so he has a snack, too. <laughs> One time I choked. My, my friend had to give me mouth-to-mouth. Mm-hmm. And by that, I, I was able to, again, suck the potato out, and they, I, yeah. sometimes that happens as a good thing, because your friend gets to eat the potato or the clam. 
He didn't pay. He didn't pay a dime of it either. Now let me ask you: Do you put do you put bacon in your clam chowder cubes? Yeah. There's a big controversy no. about New Englanders no. and bacon and clam chowder. Are you kidding me? I love a little lardone in my chowder. Do you want to know why I don't do that? Why? You're because, watching your weight. Uh, because that's against what? Um, who's the Who's the guy that founded Rhode Island? Alan John Feinstein. That's That's against what Feinstein would have wanted. When he created, you know, he invented culture. So he invented the clam chowder. He said, I don't want no fucking swine in my clam chowder. I'll take my, my clams in a can. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And that's and, why that's why all clam chowder is canned now by law. Here's another thing. Quoting him, I'll take my clams in a can. Thank who, you very much. Who, who, how did people get cans open before can openers? They weren't invented at the same time. No. That's for damn sure. People used to use knives. Well, my, my, um... My can opener outside in the in the void hasn't been really working too much lately. It just kind of bends the material rather than cutting through. So I'm wondering, oh, I you know, as a sane person would typically think, I'm gonna go buy another can opener. Me, not so much. I was thinking more, you know, let me just try using a knife. I tried using a knife, which are all mine are dull. So I I don't have one sharp object in the house. And I don't, and I don't know one sharp person, including myself. You have a razor. You could do it with a straight razor. It's a bit dangerous, but but it can it. be done. It can be done. I'll just do that next time I shave. I'll bring the can of you know. Well, beans I would in just make sure you do the make sure you do the beans first before you shave because you don't want any of the hair going. Beans, a little bit of beans on your face never hurt nobody. In fact, I but, put beans on my face every morning. It's a good moisturizer. But a little but bit of hair in your diet. No, you don't want that. You don't that's, want that. That's at extremely all. excessive. It'll poke your. They don't hair, the, your hair. If you ingest hair, it stays in your uh, intestines, and you and you do actually defe- defecate it out in yeah. your, into your bowel movements. You have hairy because logs. It doesn't digest. Those, we call those bouche de Noels. A lot of people. Of a lot of people ask me. <laughs> a lot of people ask me. Um, well, how I got this haircut? What what my revelation was? And I didn't go to a barber, but I I did. I was hungry, and I did eat slowly at my hair. And uh, through a lot of eating of my hair, I was able to gain this cut. And so I know the digestion of hair, and let me tell you, it is a beautiful thing. Um, That's so gross. It's a beautiful thing to eat. It's a beautiful thing to 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 have hairy bowel movements. I will mm. say, not to not to be too telling, if anyone is trying to do it for themselves, but try yeah. it sometime. Yeah, it's a mild. It's like ramen noodles. Once mm-hmm. you once you convince yourself that you're eating oodles and noodles, you know, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. Like you said, it's up there with, you know. Uh, Childbirth, it's up there with fucking. Uh, what's that girl's name from? There's one actress I always think of. It's so beautiful. I'll never know her name though. The only way I would know her name is if I met her in person. That's the only way I can really remember what people's she names. Uh, she was on like this interview with fucking Craig Ferguson. She's so fucking beautiful. She was on an interview, but what movies are she in? Uh, that I don't know. Craig so. Ferguson, who's that? Dude, I gotta put you on a Craig Ferguson. He's so funny. He had like this cousins of Maynard Ferguson. Nope. Uh, he had this show um, on late night. It was like super late night, so it was like at midnight. Um, but it was right after Dave Letterman, like in his later years. So like, and it was through CBS. So CBS employed Dave Let- Letterman. Letterman had so much power in the network that CBS just let him do whatever he wanted. And he actually hired Craig Ferguson. Um, this is true. Um, he hired Craig Ferguson to do the show after him because he liked him a lot. And what's so crazy is CBS actually had no say in what Craig did. So he had like this kind of parody of like talk shows before that shit was done. Oh, I know, like, I know. I mean, he he does the talk show in in uh, London. No, yeah, James Harden. Yeah, I know him. He he does the he does the late night show in London. He's a, he's a bigger bigger guy. Not quite. He's the same guy. He he did uh, late night because Letterman was doing late night, and they, they needed a new spot to fill, right? The reason that you're the reason I know that you're not being serious is because you said James Corden, James no James Harden. Oh, James. Then you're absolutely James Harden, right. the comedian. Huh? Yeah, you're absolutely right. He he does a late night show in in uh the in the UK. Yeah, he's a real funny guy. I saw him perform recently with. I saw him do an interview with uh, I saw him in a car with maybe uh Billie Eilish or something. That was a real. Really I, I saw that too that yeah. was pretty uh i like this new thing comedians are doing where they they found out that comedy is actually much funnier in a moving automobile than in a st- in a stable uh setting 
So I like this new thing, these new shows that kind of filming the driving process. And also, it's a lot safer to be laughing while you're driving than it is to be kind of zoned out in your thoughts. So I'm glad these comedians are finding ways to bring the comedy on the go, make it more digestible and convenient. And that gives me an idea for this podcast, since we are moving towards a comedy podcast from a political podcast to a comedy podcast, we could maybe bring this podcast on the go. On the road? On the road. Take it on the road would be called What's Your Angle on the Road Edition. It's as easy as having one of our followers who have a car drive down to our location, which we will not disclose under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have not disclosed at all. And we have five. We have five people we could choose from. They Um, all have nice cars. I assume Uber Blacks of the variety of Uber Black. Um, And must be a black vehicle. We'll keep it professional. We'll keep it moving. So please send in your DMs to our Who is willing to drive? Your direct message to our receiving message. Who is willing to drive AM or PM? Let's make sure that there's a lot lot of natural light Mm -hmm. so that we'll be able to record a full episode. And let's start drafting some names. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking podcasts and podcasters in cars, you know. Getting coffee Getting, or, or, okay. or comedi- even better yet, comedians in cars. And, we, and if, if we want to do incorporate some sort of, you know, uh, interaction where, where the car needs to stop, we can get a coffee. You know, it's a very casual thing. Why don't we just do... Maybe even food every once, uh-huh. once in a while. Comedians in cars getting coffee, you know. Comedians in cars getting getting breakfast. It's just what I'm thinking. I think it sounds promising, right? It's a bit long, though. It's a bit of a we'll, long We'll title. shorten it. Well, we'll just create an acronym for it. You know, Jerry Seinfeld has a great show where he um actually the premise is he takes these co- these comedians that he knows met, either met, met throughout the years or maybe he doesn't know them so well but he wants to interview them he takes them in the car and he he's the driver and uh, of course he uh jerry seinfeld is extremely well known for having a, a wide variety of car collections also known for being incredibly wealthy so uh-huh. you can connect those two and when he was doing his late when he was doing the late show uh, when when Seinfeld was doing the Late Show, he developed kind of an obsession for for hot rods and old style cars. So he started developing uh, his cars, and he he has a website actually called Jerry's Jerry's Cars. And so he takes these guys on rides, and he's driving. They get, they'll they'll stop. They'll get a coffee. They'll talk. And of course, they see a lot of people on the street. A lot of people in the cars, surprisingly enough, recognize them. So there's a lot of waving. There's a lot of kind of interaction with the fans. Um, but it's just them two in the in the in the coffee. I don't. I'm I'm not. I'm not remembering what the show is called, but it's very common. You can find it on Hulu. You can find it on Netflix, um, and it's great. There's another one with the great uh, actor Jay Leno, who was in the who was in Seinfeld uh, in the 80s, 90s. Jay Leno. He has a he uh, developed a show, and he he also drives in cars. Of course, Jay Leno is not so much a car buff. It's not really, in, in Jay's show, it's not about the car as much as it is about the guest. So he, he has combined a show that includes guest interviewing and driving, which is another great show. Um, and then David Letterman is doing a similar show. Uh, I don't know if they all kind of came up with these ideas together, but he's doing a show too, where he interviews people uh, in a stage setting, but then sometimes they'll drive a car and the kind of the rule at the beginning was as long as Dave Letterman has a thick beard as long as it's not a thin beard then they're allowed to get in a car and kind of let the wind run through their their snouts Mm. going back to Thames Gordon I'm not really big on British humor well it's different I mean look it's very different and it's really hard to digest yeah it's really different And, and and oh man it's really different I mean, we could speak on this because we're weathered comedians. Uh huh. Should see my stand-up spot coming up soon. It's so different. It's really different, and quite frankly, not even British not even comedy that is funny. so unfunny. And I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. The American Office. Thank God they stepped in. Thank God, Mr. Carell yeah. and David Dave. They stepped in. Yeah. And they took care. They took care of Jim, Jimmy Gervais. But for it was sure. Steve Davis's idea in the first place. Ricky J- ah, Ricky Javis, Steve Davis. R- Ricky Javis stepped in after the fact and said he wanted to do his one season. Guess what happens? U.S. takes it over. Boom, boom, boom. Makes money on it. Uh, what is it? Eleven seasons of that thing. And it's still going. It's what unbelievable. It's still going. It's one, the, it's one of the top. And then they did a sequel. Part. You tell me which one's funnier. Huh? You, you tell me which one's funnier. Also, speak, everybody knows of, mass equals funniness. The more of something that there is, the more funny it is. The that's why I was the most is, funny when funny. I lived in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. <laughs> See right there, Massachusetts, I just did a joke. And you had a big mass. The fatter you are, the oh, funnier you well, are. No, that's something too. State. 
that's something to, to keep in mind. That's why Steve Davis is much funnier than Ricky Jervis because he is as much kind of a larger character. He has. Mm. Have you ever seen? Uh, that's not worth it. We'll talk about it later. Speaking of Ricky Gerbil, how about the, his uh, his words in the in the Globe ceremony? Oh, you want to talk about our friend Tom Hanks? Yeah, your friend. He's no friend of mine. No, he's no friend of mine. After what, after what he said to after what he said to Ricky Gervais. You. After what he said to Ricky Gervais. What did I'm he not say? Oh yeah, wait. Tom what did Hanks he say? Movie. I actually didn't. Let's see just it. say Ricky Gervais cast. I mean, let's just say Tom Hanks. Why don't you cast away and why don't you go on an island and never never come back? And why don't you find wait, a Wilson? He said that. No, that's what I'm saying to Tom Hanks. Oh, okay, fucking Nimrod. Said he said that. To no, 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 Ricky. no. Ricky Gervais is in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to get lost, get cast away on that's an what, island? That's what that's what Ricky said. That's to like Tom the Hanks. nicest insult. No, oh, get lost on an island, and 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 Tom Hanks was floored it. because he he he. We talked about last week. He had a great performance in uh, in the play "Will You Be My Neighbor," which is a very uh, about the great Fred Rogers. And Tom Hanks did not like uh, Ricky Gervais kind of making fun of his role in the pirate. I mean, the uh, what is that movie called? The Captain. And, and 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 he was very upset. I mean, I didn't see the clip, but I can guess what that punk ass Ricky said to our boy Tom. And let's just say I don't ever want to see a Tom Hanks movie again because that I, if, if he's gonna be, if you're, he's gonna be, yeah, you're being so confusing right now. Well, which one is it? I mean, I don't I'm know, asking I, I, you. I thought you were telling me. I you're watched sh- Tom Hanks okay. give the speech to Ricky in the crowd, and I saw I you saw punk ass Ricky Gervais said something to Tom no, Hanks. No, and Now I'm Ricky, not gonna watch no, a Tom uh, Hanks uh, movie no, again. You got it wrong. Ricky's a sweetheart. Tom Hanks, he can go cast away on an island somewhere and get lost with his bozo Wilson. Ricky Gervais was in the crowd giving these looks. So that so that motherfucker, you know, he deserves what it takes. And I don't want to watch another boring Tom Hanks movie about him, you know, playing another character that I can't even get into because all I see him as the, is the retarded Forrest Gump <laughs> from the from the you know eighty nine Vietnam War story that you know is commonly played on the TBS network because it's such a boring movie. You have to be split into three parts. You have to watch like ten ads in between because the thing is so damn boring. Is he actually a simple Jack in that? They put? Did they make him that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought he was just trying to do some like method acting. I wonder how he got into that role. That's just he probably that, ate that was a just lot how, of fast food. That was just how he was. That's just what he looked like. I mean, that's what he's like in real life. That's what he's like in real life. They, they, it's a bio. It's it's just a documentary. And, Essentially, and, and 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 they they added some few things like many Hollywood documentaries yeah. will for dramatization purposes. He wasn't there for candidate like he you know the little things stuff like just that. common sense. He was in the war. He you know he he did he did uh he rub, had that rub shoulder with Jimi Hendrix and he did have that friend that was in the wheelchair and you know the thing about him getting shot in the buttocks was true. But other things with Ricky Gervais, I, I don't really follow him so much, and I think he's a better ba- baseball player than he is actor. Um, his career in the baseball field was m- much more exciting than his acting field. And frankly, when he went to when he went from the Chicago White Sox to the to the uh, what is it the Chicago Bulls to play for the NBA, that was the most exciting move I think in his uh, in his in his whole journey throughout acting and everything and now Shaquille O'Neal is one of the guys I can get into Michael Jordan was one thing he did the White Sox to the to the Chicago Bulls move that was okay but he didn't he didn't act as heavily as Shaquille O'Neal would and now Shaquille O'Neal kind of wants to specialize in uh, moisturizer and body you know body kind of facial commercials yeah things having to do with icy hot fluctuating he's temperature well because a lot of people don't know that he after he after he switched to the to the acting world, he he actually also devoted his life to science, and he came, became obsessed with kind of how you can keep your skin as moist as possible, and how you can recover, because obviously as a ball player, you know you get a lot of pain in your in your rear, and he 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 dedicated to his life to science after that. He was obsessed. He went on big. You know, a lot of people don't know he went on big. Uh, he would just go away for four months at a time, five months at a time, and everyone would be wondering where is Shaq? You know, where the fuck is Shaq? And he everyone be, was wondering that. Everyone was wondering that. It was it was in People magazine? You know, where's Shaq today? And he would be off in an island somewhere, hanging he's out. He's off with, in a shack somewhere. He's off in some shack with Steve Buscemi, and they're working hard trying to figure out how can we, you know, maintain temperatures. How can we? Is there a way to 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 be able to put a moisturizing cream on your skin, or should we be doing oil-based products? You know, and he would come back. He would bring it to the lab. He would bring it to the scientists. They would say, Shaq, this is brilliant. Um, 
you know, you do have a, a big game coming up. It's still the 1980s. You're still a playing uh, guy, but this is brilliant. And they would say, Shaq, you're still growing. They were afraid to speak up because he was just so tall and they were afraid he'd step on them. So, like, they just mm-hmm. kind of went along with everything he'd, he'd bring on the table of course, for Steve, fear of Steve losing Buscemi, their life. Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi kinda, he helped out with things. He pushed because he was a white guy. Steve and Bush the was 80s, right there whenever they needed him. In the 80s, if you were a white guy, you were friend, if you were a white guy associated with the NBA, you were friends with Larry Bird. And if you were friends with Larry Bird, then you could kind of make anything happen. You were friends with Jerry West, too. There was kind of a whole clan, mm-hmm. uh, white, like a white's basketball clan. Brian um, Scalabrini was birthed out of this clan. But he, and, kind of, he kind of deferred and did his own thing. He kind of rolled solo for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that Shaq, though, actually, I believe he does have a PhD in, in something. Something scientific. Must it, be, right? He, like, he left and he, and he decided to get more in touch with his academic side of his brain. Right. And so, you know, and this is true. I think he, I think he's like a PhD in basketball physics or something mm-hmm. um, where they kind of just well, run equations all day. Yeah. I mean, when you're that tall, you got to be on the court, but also you got to be, you got to be dedicated to science. Yeah. His doctor, he, he received his doctoral degree in education. You could show him that picture. That's a nice picture. Yeah, I'll show him. Let the viewers see. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a nice picture yeah, you look at the left that's not a uh, column that's, of a that's, building that's actually a human being right there to your right that's the pope on the right and then there's Shaq there and they're at the vatican and that's definitely not eugenics that's completely natural that's um that's 100 percent right organic to your, right there to your left that's uh, baby yoda and to your right that's uh lars marson one of the tallest basketball players that we have it's actually mace windu in his all, all of his robes mm-hmm not a lot of people know this, but Samuel Jackson actually really wants to return as his infamous character in Star Wars. And, and Lucas would not let him have it. They'd literally meet for coffee, and this is the tr- God's honest truth. I would swear this on my dead. I swear. Um, he would meet with Lucas, and he'd say, how are we going to... He's like, how are we going to put Mace Windu back in the movies? And Lucas wasn't having any of it. Transition a couple years later, Disney now owns the property. And Mace Windu doesn't know who to have a meeting with now. He would buy his coffee every time. So now who is he going to buy the coffee for? Walt Disney? I don't think so. Walt Disney's frozen corpse? I don't think so. So now he's just kind of has his hands in his ass. He doesn't really know what I hear. That, have As you heard that before? He could, try, he could try hitting up Lucas to see if Lucas could get him an inside job. As but a, I, if Lucas didn't want that from the beginning, then then it would probably be hard. It's tough. It's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough waters to navigate. But as long as you know he keeps playing basketball, it'll all work out. Hmm. Well, Samuel L. Jackson has, regardless of his role in Star Wars, we all know him for his role in, in, in the uh, Chase banking commercials that I think kind of gave him his, his big boost of success. Some, call, some people call him the human bank. Mm-hmm. Some people are calling him the human bank, and he, he has such a good way of marketing a bank. It's unprecedented uh, for a human to be able to market a bank so well. Um, studies are showing in 2008 there was... Uh, 650,000 uh, U.S. citizens that were banking with Chase. Um, you may be wondering why that number is so small. Well, that was before Samuel L. Jackson was doing the marketing. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson stepped in 2009, and from 2009 to 2020, where we are now, over 7.3 uh, million members of the U.S. are banking with Chase. So that's kind of an outstanding thing. And, and they took a poll. They they sent out, I, I bank with Chase uh, myself, and I got a Google survey from Chase Bank and they, they asked about why the reason that you decided to bank with Chase. And of course there was three options. One, uh, family referral. Two, uh, work referral. And three, Samuel L. Jackson marketing commercial. And I, I, I think a lot of people spoke, the people spoke. And Samuel L. Jackson was the main reason for me that I'm banking. I'm banking that I'm banking in general because before 2008, a lot of people didn't even have, they weren't even have their money in banks. Most people keeping their stuff in the mattress, you know, in the drawers, in the refrigerator, wherever they could get it because we didn't trust banks after the Great Depression. But after Samuel L. Jackson came in, you know, we got a strong leader who is standing by this bank, you know, true and true is endorsing this bank. And for me, that was inspiring. And I think for a lot of other U.S. citizens, we kind of, we stepped up to the plate and we said, that's a badass motherfucker. I really like this whole movement after the 2008 depression um, of, you know, bank companies getting a little more creative with their marketing. Now, 
you know, you look at Chase, you say it's the end all be all. I will put all my money into them. Everyone's saying that, uh, at least I thought back in 2009. Um, but meanwhile, Capital One kind of came through and they snuck under the rug uh, for years, kind of mm. working on transitioning their whole infrastructure to now incorporate, you know, they have uh, as little as cafes, as big as massive fitness complex mm. units with with pool facilities and, and know, I would siatsu say massages. Capital One is more of a comedy group now. I would associate them more with comedy than than with uh, banking, which is great because I mean their commercials and their marketing is genius. So I think Absolutely. what I think what these companies kind of did was when the 2008 depression happened, when the, when the market crashed, when the Dow Jones was struck like lightning. Um, the companies, the banking companies, decided we need to rethink our budget. We need to. We need to forget about the importance of the customer, even though millions and millions of people have lost their jobs and their money in these banks. They said it was due to us, on, you know, but we're going to sweep that under the yeah. rug. We're going to easily convince the dumbass American people to think otherwise. They said, you know what we should do? We should we should comment more on the um, the U.S. kind of undertone, which is comedy. Um, it's kind of a tragic comedy. And so they started developing and they said that, you know, the big guys in the suits, they said, listen, Maybe we could work on getting safer infrastructures for bank accounts and uh, pe- keeping people's money safer and securing them more, being able to loan them more money and be, and, be, and, and in turn be able to uh, increase profit for our company. And the, the small guy said, that's good, but what about this? Scrap all that nonsense with the money. Keep said, the accounts. Although it is funny. Although it is funny for so us. It's kind of an inside joke. Keep that money in the banks. Keep it where it is. Don't change the infrastructure of the bank because it's fine where it is. You know, the 2008 happened, but we're going to get these people's money back in time. People are still um, on the streets today suffering from that incident. And then they said, let's invest in the comedy aspect. And so a lot of people, you know, they started uh, hiring these young, hipper guys. And and they said they, they would get around board tables every day. They'd say, all right we need 10 drafts we need 10 funny things okay so they started coming up with characters you know we we, we had the guys from state farm come in we had the guys from uh uh Ge- geico. geico come in we had progressive we had flow come into the meeting and At we, one point, we had samuel jackson was even a consultant yeah and he was this was before Chase. This was way before. This was way before Chase because 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 he he was at this time he was freelancing after he couldn't get the deal in the George Lucas Enterprise. (laughs) He said, "I got to get more money from some from somewhere. Surely, surely a bank will be able to provide me at least a mill. Yeah, maybe more." So, basically, the banks started forgetting about the purpose of their banks with the money, and they started investing more in the importance, which was marketing. Um, And now, as we know, Capital One is one of the funniest kind of uh, things ever. I believe there's a Capital One podcast out there you can watch. It's just two Capital One employees, and they're just talking. They, they just shoot the shit, basically. And every withdrawal comes with a Danish. It's pretty unbelievable mm-hmm. what the strides they've get a coffee. pushed for the comedy barrier. It's nice, too, because you know there's a lot of inside jokes for the interns. For instance, the coffee shop bit they're doing is kind of an inside joke. Because one, t- one day, one of, the, one of the guys came into the meetings. He said, you know what we should do to these dumbasses? We should put a coffee shop in the bank so they spend more time in our bank. They withdraw more money. And uh, maybe we'll even make the shop cash only or something. But we'll we'll offer like a, a, a stupid reward system for you know the, if you shop at the at the coffee shop at Capital One, we'll give you some cash back rewards or something every year. You know, to, to, to on your credit two percent. And they they all kind of laughed. Pay, though, on time. Yeah, and then they all kind of laughed and they go, oh, <laughs> that would be funny. Rich. That's and the guy rich. goes, kind of a good inside joke. Keep that one going. So they they you know it took a couple, couple of them. Took them a few years, but they did get those coffee shops in. And now every time an intern walks by or an employee walks by the Capital One, they just kind of give a chuckle to themselves because that's important for inner morale of the company. Of course, for us, we get the big laughs, we get the mainstream comedy. But for the inner morale, you need inside jokes, you need more more niche comedy yeah. um, for these geniuses running the business of banking. We get the mainstream uh, comedy, we get the laughs. We get the freshly brewed coffee. We get the freshly baked Danish. We get the benefits, the cashback. We get the cashback benefits. It's a win-win, and banks are banks. You know, stay winning. You wonder why everyone wants to become a financial analyst. You wonder why all of the uh, college jobs are in the banking realm. Newsflash: It's one of the most fun industries to work in, and you get paid handsomely. So I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, it's one of the most ethical too. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a combination of of going to work every day. Wearing a nice pinstripe suit, getting your work done, 
coming home with a suitcase full of money and feeling good about what you did for that day and what that's going to contribute for the years to come, thinking about the future kind of generations, way better than any other industry, I, I personally think. And I think, honestly, that, you know, education, um, things to improve, you know, the kind of infrastructure of America, we should just keep cutting the funds of that and kind of putting more subsidies in turn for, you know, companies and, and corporations and industries that kind of promote winning. And comedy. Winning and comedy. The two best things, laughing and going home with a fat knot in your pocket. I can't think of a better thing. I can't think of a better thing. Mm-hmm. Who cares about the children of tomorrow? I'm, I certainly don't unless they're going to be Unless they got banker. briefcases of money. I mean, that's the main thing with me. I'm, I'm attracted to the briefcase look. Um, a couple of years ago, many friends of mine know that I started... I started having less and less need for a wallet because i got into this briefcase aesthetic um because i started working at at wells fargo and what they do with each of their employees um, that they hire there's a 25 year waiting period you work for the company for 25 years and you work many many hours of overtime Um, you give them a lot of you know give them a lot of slack you're flexible you come in whenever you want you're doing things out of the office you know you're, you're, you're neglecting a lot of time with your family to be spending at wells fargo However, after this waiting period, kind of like a hazing period, similar to fraternity, um, but a little more serious, a little more impactful in your life and your financial state, they start giving you little, they start giving you brown briefcases with just stacks of $100 bills in them. And you go to work, and every time you show up at work, you work maybe an hour or two hours, you got your pinstripe suit on now because you've been working for the company two, 25 years, you work hour or two hours, you have lunch, you get tired, you kind of are getting sick of the office, you wanna leave, and then someone who, 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 someone who is not um, as well endowed as you are, someone who's only been working there maybe 10, 15 years, will just hand you a briefcase. Here you go, sir, go along with your day. And you'll kind of open up, you bring it home, bring it to the bed, we'll show the missus. Every day it's a new amount. And it's in the, usually in the hundreds of thousands because there's just stacks of hundreds in the briefcase. So I got attracted to this aesthetic. A lot of people were offering me other jobs in the art world, in the restaurant world. I'm saying that's nice, that's good, but do you have a briefcase system? Briefcase system, I would ask at interviews. People would go, you know, oh, we don't need that is. standard paychecks, standard paychecks, direct, direct deposit. deposit. And I would go, but you know, is there any type of brown briefcase? They said, well, if you if you'd like to, you know, invest in your own brown briefcase, you could put your money that we give you. It won't be that brown, much. Won't be that much. You maybe fifty dollars, sixty dollars for a nice Brooks Brothers. Could be upwards of one hundred fifty dollars. You're gonna get maybe a Brooks Brothers or a. Um, Bellwether. It's a one-time investment if you take but care of it. But it's a one-time it. thing. They would, that's what they would tell me. I would say, okay, but so so you're telling me, in other words, you're not going to give me, you're not going to have a garçon that's giving me stacks of money in my briefcase every day before I leave? Not quite. They would go, well, not quite. I mean, it's just kind of a standard job. It's that's that. If we did that, we would be losing money because we're just, we're just giving you $100,000. I would go. And if we give you one, we're going to have to give and all I would the go, employees one. Rude. I would go, rude. And I would, I would, I would slap my hand on the table and I would go, you know, I'm leaving. This and was would, at the interview for the job, by yeah, the way. And I would leave, and I, because I was attracted to that briefcase aesthetic, baby. And you know, once you're on that, you can't really get off it. You need that money. You need that cash flow. And you need that briefcase. More importantly, you could put other things in there, like pens or guns, whatever people, fits your aesthetic. Whatever fits your aesthetic. For me, it was guns. Some it's pens. Some it's heroin uh, needles. Some it's coke. A lot it's coke. If you're wearing a pinstripe suit, you should be smoking coke. And I, I meant to say smoking. Because and we learned that from the late uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, um, that was a big when that movie dropped in two thousand eight, when the market crashed. That was a big um, kind of a hit in the heart for all of us bankers, because it hit where it hurt, in other words. And um, we had kind of a revelation. And the reason I'm laughing is because I'm just thinking of this time where I was smoking coke with my buddies outside of the Capital One. And at this time, you know, in New York City, um, all the banks are, were located in the same area. And you would be hanging out with guys on the street from Capital One, from Wells Fargo, from Chase. We would all be kind of getting together and, mm-hmm. and congregating outside for lunch breaks. Um, the interns would be in the office. They'd be doing the busy work, which uh, was kind of things like running the company, taking care of the, taking care of the, of, of the bankers' funds. We, we obviously put in a lot of debt and time doing all that bullshit work. So we would congregate on the street. We would smoke coke, and in this time, and it was downtown, you know, downtown uh, New York. You got you got World Trade, and you got you know a Raging Bull statue. You got Burger King. You kind of you got the uh, Oculus, the Oculus, 
you could hang out there, could roll up a little J of Coke. And I remember this one time, I was hanging with the guys from Capital One, and they were real funny. They were cracking jokes. They were working on their marketing scheme. This is and, when you were uh, working at Wells Fargo, right? This is when I was still at Wells Fargo, mind you. And I was talking to guys from Capital One, and uh, one of the guys goes to me, you know, he busting a lot of jokes. I'm going, gee, you're real funny. And uh, he goes, yeah, I want you to meet somebody. Now, I'm working for Wells Fargo. He's working for Capital One. And he goes, I want you to meet someone. Might, might crack you up. Might, might, might uh, teach you a few things. He goes in, he get, goes to the back, comes out, and we're all we're going kind of full circle here, comes out with Sam, Sam L. Jackson at the time. Um, and I see him, I go, Sam. What was his first words to you, though? He, you know what Classic. he has? Classic, you know, so he, iconic. He says this every time. I'll never time. forget him. He, go, he says this every time I'll I see him. I'll never forget that, man. He goes, you want to know what they call the Big Mac in France? And I said, what, Sam? Knowing the answer. He, I, I knew the answer because I, I had seen, I've seen The Irishman and I knew what he said in the movie. He said, Royale with cheese. And I swear to you, you've never heard more belly laughter coming from a bunch of pinstripe bastards in your whole entire life. Smoking Coke. <laughs> we were smoking Coke. And Sam at the time didn't smoke Coke. He, he, was, he, was, doing, he was smoking crack. He's, um, he's more on the creme phase. He, 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 was doing, he was doing the crack, the cream of the cream. You know, he had a good rock. Um, and so anyway, he comes in and we catch up because I haven't seen him in years. I hadn't seen him since bank, since bank school with Shaquille. And so we're catching up. And that's when I, I said, you know, have you considered getting in the banking game? He says, well, I'm kind of a freelancer. I'm kind of a lone wolf. I just kind of hang around the business meetings and listen because he was a big absorber. Uh, I said, listen, why don't you take my buddy's card? His name is Jim Jeffries. He works over at Chase. And now Jim Jeffries at Chase. And now it's history. The rest is history. He rest called is him history. up. They got coffee. He got the role in Star Wars, and he got everything he wanted. I don't want to say I'm responsible for Samuel L. Jackson's success. Don't be so humble. Come on. I, take, I, mean, I guess take credit look, look, where credits. Yeah, due. I, I guess I was there at the time of the murder. I mean, He's I not there, saying I there, he put him on. No, I'm not saying that. Hey, buddy, I, I just you know I I, 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 I know he people. I know it. people in Wall Street. And I rolled him. You know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him. Sleep. Can't roll the horse. You cannot roll the horse because they so, can. They have to stand on four and, feet and, at and, all you know, times. Getting connections, linking people is kind of my salt and butter. So it's something that I look forward to. I, I want good people to meet, and I want good people to make money, and I want the lower middle class to suffer. To suffer, to keep suffering, because what good do they bring to the world? Nothing much, right? Just a couple construction workers, maybe a teacher or two. Bah humbug! Get out of here. Mm. I, I'm Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. I hate I hate the middle class, right? Specifically. Because Cause they're it, not high, they're not low. Here's the thing. Just pick when, a fucking side, when, you dumb what? When you have three siblings, oh, who, who has it worse? The fucking middle child. Mm-hmm. So anything in the middle usually is not good. Malcolm, he didn't do so well. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of kind of getting rid of that middle and monkey. just turning on the fiddle and getting a higher, a lower, and then a monkey. You, you're either a high or a low or you're a monkey. The monkeys are typically the worst kind of people in the pop, populace. They usually get kind of phased out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 2020, a new census is in turn order. Down, so you got to mark middle, down, get rid of the, I'm get high, rid of the low, or monkey. It's, it's about turning down that middle and getting with the fiddle. And, and the fiddle players of our generation are extremely wealthy because of that. They have figured out a way to eliminate the monkey man from the equation. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't want to say we had a... We had a um, a hand in the banking industry but you everyone knows we've been around and banking is related to comedy therefore money is related to comedians get it through your head you thick skulls um we all make a lot of money and if you're not gonna pick a side lower or upper class get the fuck out of here go to some other country where they as don't andrew give a dice, shit about you as andrew dice clay used to say he used to say <laughs> what do you say jake he used to go i have my fucking finger yeah i put it inside the Stank hole. Andrew Dice Clay. And I would crawl uh-huh. with the two finger. Yeah. And I knew this guy who sold shrimp. Uh-huh. Bubba, his name was. And he fried shrimp, boiled shrimp, cook shrimp, eat shrimp raw. He used to do this bit. He'd go, he'd go, I'm, I'm talking it. And the whole crowd would go, Duh. nuts. The whole crowd would go, he'd do this bit. He'd go, I'm talking. He go. He go. He he do the thing. He go. Forget about it. <laughs> it was that's the crowd. They goes. Ah! One of the best bits. Baba Booey used to hang out in the crowd. The great Tony Williams used to hang out in the crowd of Baba Booey. And uh, God damn, I remember those days. It makes me think of Wall Street in the '80s. 
Well, Wall Street in the, the 80s crash. wasn't doing so hot because there wasn't a lot of money in the pile, you know. Mm-hmm. Capitalism still Apple didn't take its started. toll. Yeah. So there was still kind of hope for a bettering of the world. I would say in the 1980s, consumerism was kind of only, was just starting to be, become popular. It was at a low. It was at a low. People kind of cared about more what they were going to be rather than what they were. You know what I mean? Mm. You could say that again, my brother. People were kind of more worried about what they were going to be and not what they were. Mm. Truth. Um but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess in reflection, do we regret what we did? I have to say no at this time. Um, nah, not really. Um, every facet of this world needs more joy. People need to laugh more frequently, you know. So I'm trying to think of other industries that kind of are lacking in comedy and might need a little bit of a booster upper. I'm talking about kind of the the. Um, you know, industries such as like the cemetery industry, um, the mm. morgue. Mm. Uh, what's, who's the guy that dresses up the people before they get put in the ground? Taxidermist. We need to kind of... You need inf- to bring comedy to taxidermy. We need to infiltrate more of those industries, you know, get mm. taxes Definitely back. Definitely infiltrate them. And I used to think tax taxidermy, uh, because walk, working on Wall Street, you hear that word a lot, tax. Tax is basically a tariff, and a tariff is basically an additional amount of money put on a good for no apparent reason. So I used to think taxidermy, I would go, I don't want anything to do with taxidermists. They're tax specialists, they're tax No, 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 no. I, 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 I got my own tax guy, I got my tax return, don't worry about it. Rich people make the best. I'm with H&R Block. Rich people make the most deal. money on tax returns, no big deal. And big then deal. people, someone explained to me, no, listen, Caleb, taxidermist is someone who dresses the bodies and stuffs them before they go in the grave. And I said, I, I literally started laughing because that's the most bizarre Stuffed thing. Him. That's the most bizarre thing I ever heard in my life. I go, oh, okay, wise guy. Like a Thanksgiving you're turkey? Me, you're telling me he gets Fuck stuffed like you. a Thanksgiving turkey? They go, no, I'm serious. That's what a taxidermy is. And I said, uh, oh, a taxidermy is a person? Because taxidermy, to me, sounds like a verb. Uh, so it can't be a noun. Like, and I said, taxidermy they said, to they the said, store. They said, no, it, I just meant to say taxidermist. I was just, it was a mistake. I said, okay, wise guy. If you're so smart, why don't you go to get a taxidermy? They go, well, it's well, not, not dead yet. It's not dead yet. Anyway, took me a while, but I finally figured out what a taxidermist was. And um, and you're right. Now now that I think about it, there, there does need to be more comedy. Because I laughed my buckles off when I first heard about a taxidermist. But I didn't. I wasn't thinking. I mean, I was making the direct correlation of death because I was thinking taxes, you know, tax return. I was thinking how much money I was going to make that year uh, for the amount of work that I did not do. So I guess... Maybe a funny approach would be to make a joke out of death, first first and foremost. You know, if you got if you got someone who's dying and needs to go to the taxidermist, they can maybe well, I got a good idea. They can make an upcharge. How many jokes do you want the the, the taxidermist to tell on the funeral? And this would in in fact employ more jobs because the taxidermist would have to get an assistant that would be the funeral jokester. Yeah, the taxidermist goes. He, they go to the funeral. When yeah, the person's exactly. dead. Well, well, now they they need the to see their work. Well, yeah, but he would have to hire an assistant. Uh, promoting, which would promote jobs in the workforce because he would need need to hire more workers. Need so, more assistance. Need more assistance. So the taxidermist would do his work and then send the assistant to go be the uh, jester mm. and the 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 warm the, up the crowd a little. Warm bit, up the crowd a little at the, at the everybody's funeral. crying. They go stop crying. He would be coming in. He, he wasn't would be a, in a big jester deal. Outfit. Yeah, I'm and gonna start doing a couple backflips. You guys he would are do his love things, it. and uh, you know, of course, he would he would have to get down to business. Sometimes he would check on the eyelids, check make yeah. sure everything's good and stuffed well because he he needs to report back to boss. Taxidermy is in, in the back. Taxidermist. I funeral. excuse excuse me. You use He's the in the back. Again. He's kind of pacing back and forth. He's a little nervous because he knows that his set is coming up, similar to how someone like Burt Chrysler would start. You know, with his with his comedy set, it's a very similar process. It's just like stand up comedy, except it's a taxidermist it's at, a at a funeral. Yeah, with an assistant. Otherwise, the same 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 kind of ball, ball game. And um, if it's a big crowd, you know, you might need two jesters. It's not that. Com- it's not really that not that complicated. More jobs, you know. I'm trying to just. This is me literally spitballing, and I think I just came up with a way to kind of serve the economy. Uh, so if you can think of a better idea, leave it in the comments below. But you probably won't because you got a thick skull, and you couldn't wrap your head around these consumeristic, capitalistic ideas like a business boy like I could. Um, again, you need to get rid of the middleman, and you need to go back to the middle monkey. And it, it, it's really not hard. I mean, if you're in the middle class. Then you're you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be it's gonna be looking good for you in the future. Let me just say because I'm gonna be get I'm gonna get you a job at a funeral home. You're gonna be an assistant. You're gonna be a tax tax taxonomist assistant. 
What, Caleb, what, I'm hungry. What, what could you go for? Oh, you know what I could go for? Pizza and burgers. Mm. Oh. I know a great pizza burger place down the road. What's the place? It's called Sedexo. Oh, what about Sedexo? Tell me more. Well, it's a great new dining chain. Okay. Um, it is located inside a high school. And well, often it is only high schools, correct? Often only high schools. A couple of prison systems as well, private. Mm. And uh, Sedexo is a new finding dining establishment that is implementing kind of these new culinary techniques and strategies to get people invested in their food because as a new society as a new as a new citizen of the new world and the new school uh we tend to not focus on what we're eating because we're not associating importance with the process of being nourished by food so sodexo has come along and they have said well look maybe we can make a greater effort at places like schools prisons um work workforces uh, big business, you know, big big uh, buildings where they have a cafeteria built in, similar to Google or Amazon. Um, so Sodexo is trying to help out, and now they 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 had a lot of great ideas, but they didn't get they weren't getting the push from the administration that they needed. And when I say administration, I mean the administration of the uh, you know United States and the president and Mr. the T. Senate of, Senate of Congress, Mr. T. Well, you know they weren't really getting the support from Mr. O because Mrs. O, um, Mrs. Obama, she. Um, included this policy that was a bit harsh, if I must say myself, where she just, you know, she wanted to have more vegetables and what is it, vegetables and what's the other one? Fruits. Fruits. <laughs> uh, she wanted to have more vegetables and fruits at the school lunches. <laughs> it was a simple. It was a simple. She you should know, get in proposal. the banking industry because she, she's, she's quite the comedian. She's funny. She, she, she should go to Chase. I'll, I'll give her the card. And. Um, so anyway, she she proposed this idea back in 2008 and went from 2008 to 2012. You know, we saw obesity in, in children in America skyrocket downwards. And um, we saw, you know, children get extremely fit and, and healthy. She was promoting something called, I think it was called 60 minutes of activity a day. Um, she wanted people to actually, I mean, this is, she wanted kids to actually go outside for 60 minutes, consec, 60 consecutive minutes a day and get exercise. The slogan long, was get back to your... Um evolutionary roots right let's try to let's try to treat our bodies the way yeah. we've been treating them for the past tens of thousands of years so this all happened you know whatever statistics statistics money 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 data it's data. all the same stuff mr t Science. comes in office mr t uh, get O out of here get miss O out of here because she is bringing this country to shit quite a bitch mr t comes to office and he introduces this new policy as of late a couple weeks ago and he says um Fruits and vegetables. So this is how he started his speech verbatim. He said, fruits and vegetables. Do they good for the children of now? And the crowd said, hmm. And he said, burgers with pizza is fun for child of now, which would be eating. And then all of a sudden you hear from the crowd, <laughs> and I forgot to mention that, you know, he assembled a, uh, an all child crowd. Yeah. This was what this is at a Senate meeting that I brought up in the last episode. Um, this is about the Children's Senate, and this is a, a all-child crowd, um, ages of four years old to twelve years old. And we have children's on, children of the House of Representatives. We have children in the Board of Congress. We have children president. So he basically gathered all the important political figures of the child world, and he had them in this big auditorium in the White House, mm -hmm. uh, right next to the bowling alley and the food court. And they had they had an assembled meeting, you know. And so he, he spoke to them in terms that they would understand. He said, simple of food you'd like cheese now, would? And they'd say, woohoo! And he would go, he would say something like, the kids are going, yes! And he would go, yes! Miss Obama wanted fruits and vegetables? No! No! And need I mention that at this point, you know, the caterers are starting to come in with mm -hmm. different pizzas from Domino's, Pizza Hut, uh, burgers from McDonald's, Wendy's, and it's just kind of a whole table filled with, with the food and candy too for us kind of like a children's banquet just picture a banquet and uh just picture regular full-size suits and dresses but in them are just smaller children so around seven anywhere from seven to eleven mm -hmm. it's particu particularly seven to eleven aged uh children and particularly odd odd numbered aged children that's something that mr t insisted on. i'm not sure why um but he, he said because there's been a lot of even administrations we want to make this a little more mm. and it makes sense it makes sense. One of the more impressing matters of the Congress is, you know, there is even there age and odd odds. number, even versus odds, and people are always wondering what is, which is the, the time superior old debate. Number. It's it's always going to be a debate. Which is the superior is the number? Romans. Is it five or is it you know 
Is it four? Is it two? It, what zero? In fact, is These it odd or even number? That happen at the top at of the, the children hill. at the children's congress. This is what they're on to. They're, they're talking about pizza burgers and even odd numbers. It's just simple. So Trump introduces this new law. He says, "Okay, well, since this is the children's congress, I don't need to go through a board of senate or house of senate or anything. I could just bang the you know hammer right here and make it done." He said, "I'm going to just say it: pizzas and burgers for all of schools to America." Done. The crowd went nuts. Bizarro. Bizarro. Now keep in mind, they're shoving the water burgers and the pizza crusts down their face. Um, so now, to clarify, um, as an adult, I will tell you know adults that I can assume are listening to this podcast. What he meant by that was, out with the fruits and vegetables. That Miss O tried to That Miss O tried to sneak in. in there. Out with the 60 minutes of activity. Get them out. He out said, here. He said, uh, we're going we're gonna, to you know, officially fund... We're, we want to give more money to pizza and burgers. What does that mean? Well, that means um, if, 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 if a company like Sodexo is ordering, um, pr- before with Mrs. Obama, they would have to dedicate a certain um, amount of money to what they were ordering for, for lunches to things that were healthy like fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And uh, in their cart, you know, they would have to have a certain number of preparations per week that would include a, always a, a vegetable or fruit option along with the main dish and then also have the main dish um, contain more fruits and vegetables. And now Trump has, has kind of opened the gates and he says, look, I'm gonna give everyone, I'm gonna give every school a million dollars. Buy as many burgers and pizzas you can get and as many supplies you need to get the burgers and pizzas, to sans lettuce and tomato, to the kids. Now. Now. Leave. Go. You're wasting my time. Uh, so everyone now has a responsibility to be ordering, using this money, these grants that Mr. T has graciously gave these schools to you know, get the pizzas and burgers. And what are they going to do by default? They're not going to order them, you know, those stinky lettuce no more, that, 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 that. That succulent peach no more. That packaged syrupy apple. Crunchy celery. The crunch celery cream based, you know, uh, sauce with a little bit of maybe pineapple cans of uh, lovers, lovers primavera delight. A little bit of snap peas. No, you know what they did? They took they took all of their current um, fruits and vegetables that all the schools had. So each district was re- legally required to do this or else they'll suffer a $100,000 fine. They would take the ingredients, put them outside near the dumpster area, set it on fire in front of every student that attends the school, both private and public. And they said, this is a mockery. This is a mockery of what, you know, Miss O tried to do. And she Trump tried to get us in O trouble. She tried to get us O in trouble. Yeah, a lot of people give, don't give Trump enough credit, but he went to each one of these ceremonies. There's 450 schools in the United States of America. So much greenhouse gases are being put into the air, which is a good thing because of all of the burning trash. Mm-hmm. And all often the food was rotten because they weren't even served. They, they weren't e- the Lunch Ladies uh, Association of America weren't even convinced that, that the fruits and vegetables were good to start. So they would just kind of put them in the custodial closet. They were getting rotted. They put them in a fire and it smelled awful. And Trump came to everything with a face mask and a spot of tea. Now, you see, when he was giving the original kind of senate the child senate speech they kept calling him mr t mr t because a lot of seven to eleven year olds can't pronounce trump so they would just settle with mr t so a good thing that trump did to kind of get these kids going because you know how kids attention spans are they're usually here there and everywhere so in order to get them more focused guess who he hired actual mr t the legendary character from the Rambo series, a, a movie series that all modern kids that, you know, are are in 2018, 2019 if can relate born, to. If they were born from 2003 to 2005, they They're know, Mr. know Mr. T. T. They're going to know, Mr. know T. Mr. T. You know, and Trump, Mr. T knew that. I'm sorry. Trump knew that. It's um, hard to get them because they're, they're both the same kind of guy, same complexion, too. Mr. Trump knew that. And he that's what shows that he's a relevant candidate as opposed to someone like Bernie Sanders, Mrs. O. Um, they're not really in touch with the crowd. And if Miss O was in touch with the crowd, she would know that the crowd doesn't want fruits and veg veg. They want, you know, Mr. T. They want mash. They want uh, guys like Andy Griffith mm-hmm. and guys like uh, they want I Love Lucy. Yeah. You know, they want people like Johnny Carson mm-hmm. late from The Late Show. Yep. Mr. T comes in. He starts punching the air. He goes, I pity the fool who has to eat fruits and vegetables. I pity that fool. Yeah. I pity that son of a bitch. I pity. And then Trump's like, hey, 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 hey. It's like, it's a child meeting. Let's try to keep it PG. He's like, okay, okay. 
and then he shoved a pizza and burger in his in his mouth and he was 400 pounds it was all this laughs. time it was all laughs this is mr large that's what we called him mr t large it was very the capital very, t very laughable uh evening and it made me think it made me think so much of my time at, at wells fargo anyway so we're just happy to announce that you know if we have children of course me and jake um both ha- had our lobotomies together uh but if we ever were to have children we are just happy now that they can grow up in an environment if they're raised in the states where they don't have to be a subject to this whiz wazzling veggie fruit you know land of the of the i don't even know what to call land it land of the plants land That's of the plants i don't know what, what do you what, what are they calling now a plant plant-based uh diet whatever this is i don't know the beyond beyond meat type yeah. of thing that's Look, that's bed bath and beyond out of here that's get beyond here. my bullshit capacitator yeah. if you know what i'm Come saying on. i'm allergic to bullshit <laughs> and the thing is that so we want these we want our kids to 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 be able to eat the burgers the pizza they want listen am i gonna keep an eye on what my kids eating no am i gonna keep an eye on where my kids playing probably no not. probably not am i gonna keep an eye on you know if he's riding the bike to school if he's getting kidnapped if he's if he's <laughs> And he's like, ah, I, you know, w- w- he's got a cell phone. Get the kid an iPad. Get the kid a cell phone. Stuck a couple fucking burgers, pizza in his mouth. Put a fucking <laughs> ready to go. Okay, I'm not worried about this shit anymore. We live in the age of society, and we live in the age of modernism. And if Miss O can't get with that, then Mr. T is gonna step in. And I'm not talking about Donald. I'm talking about Jeffrey, Mr. J T, from the Suicide Squad, from the Rambo series. This is stuff that kids are into these days, and so we got to stay relevant. This is the thing. Kids, you got to give them more of what they want, or else they're not going to function kids, in society. Here's kids, so, here's Rambo. Like this. They're like this. They're exactly. Like, they're so intertwined, I never saw it until Caleb just pointed it out. Here's the thing. They, they, they don't need more sleep. You know, People are talking about how they have to go, show up sometimes as early as 7 a.m. for class. They don't need more sleep. In fact, let's cut that even more. Let's, go that, let's put that to four. Let's put that to four. Let's get and the I don't kids. see why not because we get them out at 12 and let's they're get able to out. eat their lunch and yeah, go home. They have a nice day. The get, get them up at 2 a.m. so they can be to practice for three and then they start school at four. Oh, so they do the, the athletic practice kind of before school starts. So yeah, And after. Extracurricular. Look, and after. But look, look, they get out at 12, you know, give or take four or five hours of rehearsal after school practice. But... Cut that back, you know, six, getting up at six is, that's, look, what, you know, if you're raising an obese child, maybe, okay, if you're raising a fat fuck, maybe, get them up at 2 a.m., get something healthy in their system, get some greens and fruit and vegetable in their diet, send them to school so they can eat pizzas and burgers all day, get them out at 12, get them four or five hours of rehearsal, Damage. have them watch video games and TV all night, no more homework, getting rid of homework with the Mr. T policy. Get them to bed by 12, two hours of sleep. They wake up at two and they're good to go. It's a new day. It's a fucking easy process. The parents can just fuck all night long. They don't have to worry about their kids. Pop another obese fat fuck Pop another guy, you know, and get him, him, shove him with the burgers and the pizza right when they arrive. So I don't really get, you know, there's so much wrong with the public school. And by the way, this does not apply to any private schools. Private schools are doing whatever the fuck they want with vegetables and chicken, grilled chicken cutlets. Boring. Yeah. Old news is what I call it. So we got to really kind of focus more on the public because who gives a shit about people's privates? You know, I'm, I'm more focused about the public showings, right? So let's, let's, uh, that's why Mr. T, both of them, matter of fact, are doing much more for the children than, you know, Elvin Jones ever did or anyone else did. So I, you know, I salute mm. them and I don't salute private teaching. No. And uh, I'm just ready, you know, whether Trump and Mr. T do go to the next round of office, I'm ready for, I'm just looking forward to their, both of their taxidermies. Um, I think they're going to be beautiful stuffed brides. Uh, and I, I, I do already have a couple gestures in mind. And Samuel L. Jackson did tell me that if, if Mr. T or Mr. T ever do need a stuffing, that he would gladly be the gesture at their funeral. And they're going to do a joint coffin. So they'll be sleeping together for eternity. Get Melania out of here. She'll be sleeping with Miss O. Because mm-hmm. in the first, they have a first lady's uh, cemetery. They kind of just all put them in one pile, just like dead, you know, rotting corpse. They just throw them in one pile, set it ablaze, set it ablaze like, like those fruits and vegetables. Fruits and just vegetables. like that. Compost, if you will. It's easy. Get it through your head. All right, buddy. I got to go. Um, I got a lot of stuff to do, I got a lot of stuff on the agenda. So we're going to leave you there. We're going to give you, I hope we gave you a lot to think about with the banking industry and the food industry. 
Um, this is the Political What's Your Angle podcast, and we are coming back at you with episode 10. So why don't you give us a big congratulations in the comments, episode 11. Why you give us a big congratulations in the comments for reaching our 11th anniversary? We've been doing this now for a couple months, and we hope to keep it going. Thank you all for supporting us on our Patreon. And you can now listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play as we have uploaded all our audio clips to those uh, streaming services. So do not have to listen on YouTube anymore, and we're happy to introduce that to you. Um, so thanks so much. I'm Caleb Cronano. I'm Jake. And we'll see you on the next one. Over there, is that Cronano? Yoo-hoo! What have you been up to, my silly boy? Well, just looking for a new angle, my dear. Ready to begin? Yahoo! Turn on the podcast and listen real close. We're the two fatos that you love the most. What's your angle? What's your angle? What's your angle, podcast?